Just talking? Well, what's the show about? It's about nothing. <laughs> no story? No, forget the story. You gotta have a story. Who says you gotta have a story? Remember when we were waiting for, for that table in that Chinese restaurant that time? That could be a TV show. And it's about nothing? Absolutely nothing. So you're saying, I go into NBC and tell them I got this idea for a show about nothing. We go into NBC. We? Since when are you a writer? Writer? We're talking about a sitcom. Today we are joined by returning champion, uh, Mr. Pod Damn America. I hope you know Alex doesn't get mad at me for calling you Mr. Pod Damn America, <laughs> Mr. Too Damn uh, America, yes, Mr. Too Damn Pod Damn America. Uh, my favorite comedian who has the name of a UFC fighter. Do I really? Jake, Jake Flores. Yes. Wait, I didn't know a- that. There's a UFC fighter with my name? I don't follow UFC. No, I'm just saying, like, your name sounds like... Oh, it sounds like it should be a UFC fighter. More than a comedian. Thought I was about to have to fight someone and lose. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens when someone has your name. It's like the SAG thing. You have to fight (laughs) them uh, if someone else has your uh, screen name. Yeah. Uh, Well, Jake, I'm very sorry uh, uh, that you had to join join us for this, uh, you know, what is sure to be a very bad episode, because (laughs) me and Leslie messed up really badly, and... um, didn't come up with any topics at all for this episode. We have there's nothing to talk about in the news. I Jack, mean, we look Jack, at the news and it's like it's boring. Yeah, uh, Jack, I, I I know you're falling on the grenade for me, but it is my job uh, yes. to come up with the topics for the show. It's true, and um, I came up with nothing. Uh, it's been a long week, uh, long couple weeks. Yeah. Been very busy at my job, mm-hmm. and we knew you were coming in town, and we definitely wanted to get you on. Yeah, but. Um, we have nothing for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're in luck because bad leftist podcasting about nothing happens to be my motherfucking special. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> so how's uh how you liking how you liking LA out here? What do you think? How's the weather? Uh, <laughs> oh, wow, this really is about. <laughs> yeah, nothing. we're really not. We're really not doing anything. <laughs> um, it's pretty cool to be out here. I've been on tour for like a month and a half, and uh, there's a fucking blizzard in like a, an apartment that's being condemned back in New York, and a bunch of other horrible shit. So, wow. you know, it's a nice um, uh, change of scenery. Um, I can't go into this in too great of detail, but uh, my building is uh, in New York. It is was beefing with. Our own DSA elected Julia Salazar really? for a minute, and I think we worked it out. I think wow. that she's going to make good for us, and uh, you know, and and not, and none of us will have to drag each other online. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to. No one's going to cancel Julia Salazar. She's not going to cancel you. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I I really want to make this d- crystal clear. If anyone's listening and they're going to go on Twitter to talk about this, we are pro Julia Salazar. We're with Julia At the moment, I think we fixed it, but it shit got weird. (laughs) Because I live in her district and, you know, fucking posted her face all over the internet and was like, let's elect this DSA, you know, the socialist. (laughs) And uh, I live in an industrialized zone in an artist loft, and uh, we've been sort of like... um, applying for this status called loft law which is that you can legally live in your, like your art studio basically right. 
And it's this big, crazy Gordian knot. There's all these uh, crazy factors that go on. Anyway, out of the blue, she got elected. We're like, holy shit, she sponsored a bill that's going to save our apartment. And then out of the blue, she said, everyone's included in uh, this loft law bill except for your neighborhood. And so and she did it because we share space with factory workers. And I think she was trying to represent the interests of these factory workers. And so we got pitted against each other. But I think we figured it out. So. Don't attack Julius. Salazar Do not cancel Julius Salazar yeah. until further notice. Until further notice. But that shit's happening back in New York. And wow. So like, I got to go back eventually to go uh, see if they're gonna burn down my building or something, or or destroy it with a cartoon TNT plunger. <laughs> if Mario's gonna destroy my building. Um, it, it is funny that we're at a point in you know American democracy where the best way to get in contact. Uh, with your representative is to dunk on them on Twitter. Try to dunk on them. Yeah, that that is actually probably like what will matter to them most and like most quickly uh, results uh, in what you want. That's no joke. I happen to know, uh, you know, according to sources I cannot name that uh, the people that we do this to some of the really big ones are absolutely aware of like when they're getting ratioed and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. It goes into these people's campaigns. Uh, it's it's not good that we have this much power. Yeah, posting but... is political action, is what you're saying. Posting <laughs> is political action. It I counts, wanna, it counts, folks. I want to <laughs> interview the first staffer that gets fired for being ratioed one too many times. <laughs> I want to talk to that person. <laughs> um... Well, do you think that Cuomo's going to succeed in getting the Amazon deal to come back to New York? I mean, are you excited <laughs> about that? Like, that could be that could be something nice for your living situation. Okay, so I've been on tour for a minute, and I've been missing news stories. That is that real? That was today. There was a oh story that's God. like Cuomo is like trying. I think it was Cuomo. Yeah, he's like is like trying to like woo, trying to woo Amazon back. I was like, that is so fucking <laughs> pathetic. Yeah, he's like trying if to. If you don't come back, then take me with you. Like, please, please come back. <laughs> I want to go live at Amazon. Is yeah. he threatening to release his own dick pics? <laughs> I'll do whatever you need, whatever you want. Oh, that sucks so hard. Yeah, I think they're trying to bring it back. Super God. fucking embarrassing of him. I thought he got shook by uh, Nixon, and for a while he was trying to do left shit, but no. Yeah, no, no. Eventually... yeah Cuomo lobbies Bezos aggressively to bring back Amazon to <sighs> New York. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, they're vampires. You, unless you put like the fucking stake through their heart, decapitate them, and <laughs> leave them out to the sun and to burn, they do not learn any lessons. I mean, I, that's the same thing that happened with all these motherfuckers. Like, you have to, like, that's why we have all these Clinton people, like, still around, like, sure. all these motherfuckers online. Like, Bobby Mook just got a job. That's yeah, a, exactly. That's nice for him. Yeah. <laughs> these are the only people that don't get canceled. What the hell? Yeah, that? it is true. Why can't we take them down? Yeah. Cancel Robbie Mook, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just need it. Somebody needs to put together the perfect cancel post of like, this is the man. This is the real man who made Hillary lose. Everyone, like, cancel him. Everybody, yeah. get him. <laughs> yeah, that's a good angle. Yeah, because then he's he's even worse than Bernie. Yeah, like this. You know, Bernie's bad, but you know who's really bad? Robbie Mook. <laughs> that's that's uh, the real uh, uh, toxic man who stopped her from getting the White House. <laughs> Did you see this shit? Who I'm? Who I? I canceled today. Um, I had to cancel oh Mark Hamill. Oh. It is such a bummer because he is fucking thirsty as hell. That is truly. Attended. That is truly <laughs> yeah. a fucking bummer. That was like the saddest shit I've ever seen. I, I can't say that really surprises me because he's just an old fucking you know rich white person, right? But, right. Uh, but I, I mean, it does raise all these questions. Like, did 
Did any of you motherfuckers understand the political subtext of the movies you were in? <laughs> they were about like Vietnam and shit, right? I, I, it, it never surprises me. It, it never surprises me to see like you know Hollywood liberals like not having you know very strong politics or very thoughtful politics. Uh, but what I will say was surprising about Mark Hamill is like that he knows about fucking Nira Tan. I know. Right? Like I feel like that's like a little too deep for him to be like tweeting out. Like yes, I, I can see like Mark Hamill being like George. Takei is a brilliant political mind or something, but he shouldn't know about fucking Nira Tandon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did he meet her at Comic-Con? She was doing booth? a paid signature line at, at Comic-Con. <laughs> yeah. It's just old boomer disease, man. They, yeah. they just, you know, they, they just latch on to these. They all have the same scary tone when they talk about it. They're just like, I just love her. Yeah. Like, Why do you love a... Even if what do you love? Like, what's how the do love? You love a political figure. You shouldn't love any of these people, right. but they're like they talk about it the same way. You know, you're supposed to talk about a, a musician or an artist or something that you that actually brings you joy. You know, right. my mom just loves like Bill Maher and uh, Chris Hansen. All these uh, Chris Hansen, not him. Uh, Chris Hayes. <laughs> Chris <not>. Hansen. <laughs> my mom just loves Chris Hansen. Chris uh, Hansen kind of does rule. I because it really is very funny. Yeah, it is. My friend, oh, this is bizarre, Leslie. Leslie just sent us <laughs> near a tandem doing the ice bucket challenge. <laughs> I don't have sound on this, sadly, right now, Leslie. But it's, uh, it's ice. The you, you don't want the sound. You I don't, don't want, want the sound. sound. I just want to see her get dunked with ice really quickly. <laughs> hey, there we go. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> How that, wow. Wow. She like deflected that shit somehow with the power of the <laughs> Um, she yeah. used her Mark Hamill force powers that she got from him to <laughs> not get that soaking wet. An another bad take I saw this week that has been just rolling around in my head, kind of stuck in my craw is a, uh, 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 you know, famous uh, warrior against the Bernie Bros, Jenna Friedman. Uh, mm, during the mm. Oscars, she tweeted uh, that "Sorry to Bother You" was her favorite film of the year. And it's so funny. Do you, go, <laughs> do you understand the movie? Do you hate that is truly funny. You hate everything that it's about, <laughs> right? Or at least you claim to. You know, but now she just hates the one guy who ran again. It's like she hates this the villain of season one of politics right. for her. <laughs> of season one of politics. Don't you know how TV shows work though? That's the good guy. Yeah, of course. Season. Yeah, <laughs> we're in season four of politics Bernie now. So it's Vegeta. his face. To, yeah. <laughs> It's going to be on our side yeah. more than he was against. He'll you. still be cranky, but he'll be wearing like floral shirts and, oh. you know, dating Bulma. God, can you imagine Bernie with Vegeta hair? Yeah. <laughs> wow. What if that's what he's going to spend? Unbeatable. All his, Unbeatable. Spend all his uh, his uh, six million dollars on Vegeta hair so he can look younger for the youths. <laughs> I mean, to go with the Botox, <laughs> to go with the new uh, the new campaign Botox. All right. Yeah. So are we going to come down on side of this? Did Bernie Sanders get a little work done? Did he get a little... <laughs> <laughs> I think he had a little powder on. I, I I cannot believe we're talking about this. He went on TV. That picture is from when you right. go on TV. You work in entertainment. You get powder put on your face. Like <laughs> yeah. You get powder put on. I think that there's a photo of him where there's no powder on his face and the lighting's not that good. And then there's one where he's being interviewed on television where the lighting is super good and someone came in and put makeup on his face. That's I don't think exactly he got any fillers is. or anything like that. When I saw this story, I thought this is the funniest, most insane thing ever. And the, what is alarming to me is that we're seriously talking about it. <laughs> there's no way in hell. Why would he get Botox? I don't think he got Botox. I don't think it works 
for his particular brand. I think if anything, Bernie sh- would want to look older. He should be <laughs> wanting to look older, putting extra wrinkles in and shit. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Leslie, do you think he got Botox? Like, No, no. But um, I do think it's funny that all these people got mad at him because these are the same people when Melania got plastic surgery and went missing for a month were were like where's Melania we need to help Melania and everyone who like me who was like I don't give a fuck about her she's a white supremacist fuck her they were like <laughs> how dare you sir how dare you uh, sure. not care uh, deeply about a woman who like wants to put babies in cages <laughs> a smooth lady who wants to put babies in cages right we can't talk about Michael Cohen, I understand. Leslie says we have someone coming on to talk yeah, about Michael we said, Cohen. Yeah, and we are, already gave that away. Michael Saba, he's going to come back on the I'm show. not allowed to talk about Michael Cohen, but it was really funny in the Michael Cohen hearing how as a, a thing to make himself likable, he was like, the most sad thing I ever did was lie to Melania Trump. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? Are oh, you dude. This apology tour is so funny. <laughs> I mean, this guy is so He's like... He's like Lionel Hutz, like, but like worse, like a scum. It's so funny who this guy was to what he is now. Like he's Biff's sidekick in Back to the Future now being like, I am sorry for what I done at the side of Biff. Biff misled me and I never should have bullied those people like that. Like, <laughs> uh, we good? It's just Mark Maron now. <laughs> I understand we had a little misunderstanding early on. I mean, it's just silly. Of course i'm uh it's always silly on all sides because it's like it is we can't talk about cohen we're not supposed to talk about cohen but it's masturbatory it's only like like liberals will think it like vindicates everything they've ever thought and republicans are just going to be like he's a liar it's great television but that's ostensibly all it is i think yeah but we're not allowed to talk about it sorry leslie it's okay it's okay uh jake you watching good tv lately uh i just watched the third season of true detective how's that um it was uh it, it was pretty good it just you can't watch it without the context of the other two seasons of true detective right. hanging over it in your head the whole time i don't think uh i thought it was really good but i almost feel like they overcorrected a little bit and made it right. like just too mundane of a story because they were afraid of going off the deep end and getting made fun of well, they got in trouble last time right like the season two everybody didn't like or something like that yeah well you know what happened is uh so season one was like peak um what do you call it prestige television prestige, yeah it was fun to watch everyone yeah. tweeted about it together yeah there were all these holy shit moments <laughs> mcconaughey was killing all yeah. these crazy you know uh, monologues and stuff and um it kind of ended a little bit in a fizzle but it was still like an excellent season people love that right? season yeah so the thing about the guy who made it uh, is that he sucks. Yes. Uh, Nick Pizzolatto or whatever. Uh, Nick a lot of pizza. Yeah. He, uh, he sounds like he knows the Green Book guys. Like there's this like crew of like uh, mafioso filmmakers okay, that just okay, make prestige okay. movies. I, I am going to defend my friend Nick because he's from New Orleans. I got to defend him. He's a Louisiana boy. Yes. Supposedly. And, you know, tweeted me if I'm wrong about this. This is what I gathered from when I was like, you know, working in the TV recaps and stuff sure. during uh, the, the second season is that he, um, you know, he created the first show and he kind of had the same arc as the guy who made like Boondock Saints, where he was like suddenly right. really celebrated and right. suddenly elevated way out of his league. And what happened is 
he kind of plagiarized a lot of that stuff that happened in the first season. Sure. Like, a lot of those McConaughey monologues are ripped from like a really obscure, weird fiction author. Yeah. Oh. Is, Th- is Thomas Legati? All right. So I- I'm going to defend him a little bit because uh, the pizza lot of fans because is here. The, if, you, if, yeah, if, <laughs> if you, if you, if you, season four is about, <laughs> it, well, if you know anything about weird fiction, you know that it all started from like HP Lovecraft and Robert Chambers and the guy who wrote Conan all plagiarized each other right like sure. co- like stealing stuff from each other so i when you know pizzolowski like was taking from legati who legati takes from lovecraft and all those other people like i didn't really see like like it's a big deal because like that's what they do that's what weird fiction is okay. It's, okay. it's kind it's, of this one like big blues. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it's like you riff on each other's stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like blues. Uh, uh, I do think that I think that at the core, whether or not Pizzolatto is a good writer, whether or not he plagiarized season one, sometimes writers are not good directors. And I think when you start throwing around that weight of like, I got to be the one to direct this one, it's like Kerry Fukunaga is a great director, yeah. and that's like undervaluing what his contribution was to the first season. Well, it also it seems like what happened is you know whether or not there's a level of plagiarism there, or sure. it's just you know he just used like stuff and yeah. you know rather ethically what you know either way um he i think got in over his own head a little bit yeah and he kind of wanted to be the star, like the star you yeah know, when they put your name up on those lights you, mm-hmm. you, you want it to be true you know so with season two it was bonkers and it was because like i think he was trying to recreate the magic of season one right i would argue you didn't have the source material because you can't plagiarize twice yeah <laughs> <laughs> but maybe something you know he just wasn't going to be good as a right. director or whatever so then hbo apparently has this thing where they you know they give you a lot of creative freedom yeah but the backlash over season two was so bad that for season three they on the down low were made a deal with him where they were like oh. we're gonna bring in people to help you with this you still get your name on everything that'll be fun right won't it guy like <laughs> his name is you, all over still says three. you're the director huh that'll be fun well according <laughs> to writing credits he's like the writer he wrote right the whole right thing. right but, but they brought go, a lot of people on and their staff and everything like that so it created this interesting like um you know sort of toned down like more easygoing true detective and like it was good you know yeah i thought uh the guy who played Wayne Hayes, the the black guy who's like an ex. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. But he's he's like a uh, he was in Vietnam. I didn't see it. No, um, he's got like crazy non PTSD and hmm. stuff. Uh, he was like he acted his ass off. It was really cool. Stephen Dorff was interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was likable in. Uh, I didn't form. see it. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched. I I watched like only a part of the first season and I did like it yeah. but then while I was like watching it behind everybody and everyone was like oh the ending sucks and I was like well that's that oh, <laughs> the, the, ending's, the ending's anymore. fine the ending's fine no, I do want to say it, I guess I want to share my conspiracy theory um, which is le- bug level conspiracy oh, boy. And I think, but I think when you hear it you will know it's true there was this is not the third season of uh True Detective. This is the fourth season, actually. What? There was a third season yeah. starring Jake Gyllenhaal wow. of True Detective, but it's just been erased from our memories. And if you look oh, up wow. Jake Gyllenhaal, I kind of remember it. You exactly, exactly. You will remember a third season of True Detective with Jake Gyllenhaal, but for Man. some reason they got rid of it. 
I feel like people liked it. I feel like people liked that season. I mean, it was like a four-year gap between this hit TV show. Do you really think they didn't do another season just because you didn't like the second? There's a hidden season out there, folks. There's a hidden season of True Detective. Is this like the Sinbad Genie movie? Yeah, kind of. But less racist. But Less Less racist, racist. yeah. That one has a very simple answer, which is that everyone just remembered the uh, Shaq movie and was racist. Yeah. Yeah. I like my uh, um, friend growing up. Easy mystery to solve. Right, exactly. My friend my friend growing up, his dad was Shaq's acting coach on that movie. So I was one of the few, like when everyone was talking about that, I was like, not I. I remember what that movie was. And it stars Shaq. Uh, I I, I, I went to the premiere of that movie and met Shaq, and I was a little like boy. And I was like, this is like meeting like a building. <laughs> like he was like the largest man I'd ever seen. Like <laughs> I was working at a restaurant during South by Southwest in Austin one time and like he was eating there. And that would happen during South by yeah, yeah. celebrities. But I was like normally like, I think Jim from the office was eating there one week and I yeah. was like, I don't care. But somebody told me yeah. Shaq was out front and I was like, Give me a rack of dishes. I'm gonna walk around just <laughs> yeah. so I, I just saw the back of his head and it was so big. That's I, a gigantic like, yeah, like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Damn, you got a big head, Jack. That rules. <laughs> for some for some reason at the bowling alley, like in Studio City, I, I think it like burned down. But when I was growing up. They had Shaq's bowling shoes like framed and on the wall, like, and they were like the size of like a hoagie. Like, a, hell yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's the Shaq story. Is here in the middle of the episode about nothing. Um, Shaq tales. But, <laughs> but another point about this third season of True Detective and TV in general right sure. now is that you can't recapture the magic of the first season because it wasn't just the show; it was the fact that we were in peak prestige TV where right. we all watched shit together and went, "Oh my God, Breaking Bad!" at the same time. Right. And like that was like part yeah. of what was fun about it. But I and think now we have the Cohen hearing, you know, <laughs> like yeah. we've, we've just moved on to watching politics with that same kind of energy and attitude. It sucks. <laughs> we should get back to TV. That yeah, was fun. It was better. It was more fun and less infuriating when we were theorizing about like what was happening in Lost. Versus... And, and something was going to happen at the end. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Yeah, not in Lost, but, uh, <laughs> but in some of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there's still hope that something was going to happen. Well, I guess there is in the car. Okay. <laughs> the analogy breaks down, I guess, a little bit. Don't think about it too hard. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. HBO, here's my thing with HBO. Um, HBO is now owned by AT&T because they're owned by, you know, Warner, right? So AT&T owns HBO. HBO is now tasked with making more minutes of content than they've ever been tasked with making before. And that's how it's termed, too, because it's all through the telecom companies. Like, they are supposed to be making, and that's what all these telecom buys of the media companies are about, is like literally trying to get people to stream more minutes of content on the phone because they can charge per minute for that. Like, when when it's data or whatever so i'm like hbo now has to make more minutes than ever before and they have to do it with the sort of like ethos and like ideas of the telecom company like to fit that i'm like hbo is dead like that yeah. means hbo is dead well, actually this is why they're making the beto series yeah. whatever the fuck they're doing well that isn't that produced by crooked media is that a crooked media production i don't know i haven't looked into it but i would, I would imagine because it seems like this is just the i next believe thing that it's coming is. after their like pod save america you know weird tour show thing um but yeah and further to that point i mean i just randomly kicked on HBO the other day and uh, watched whatever the first thing that was popped up on Vice and it was just like a 
really anti-Bernie hit piece. Right, it yeah. was very lame. This is the Crooked production, the uh, running with Beto. Oh Beto God, uh, those, God, those guys suck so They bad. are so bad. <laughs> I hate the They God. like him because he looks like them. Well, they, well, and why people like them is because they, well, Favreau anyway, yeah. is like white Obama. Like, yeah. that's why people like John Favreau and the Ponte of America guys. Is it's like, they remind me of Obama and they're white. Yeah. <laughs> like, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, we're, we're circling back. I mean, you've what? said that joke on the show before. Fuck me. God damn it. We have nothing to talk about. Time is a flat circle. I have said the joke on the show before, I guess. God damn oh, it. Oh, God. Uh, what the I mean, I can go about on about the fucking Pod Save America guys all the time. But, but we, know, but we you... have before. You know he bought a $2 million house, that John Favreau? <laughs> 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 I'm not surprised. <laughs> all right. Well, what else? I just watched uh, The Leftovers Season 1. Which I'm very behind on. That's, everybody uh, said it was good. Um, everybody likes the leftovers. I, I don't believe I, them. I don't. I, I never believed them. I do like the leftovers, and I think that like Damon Lindelof, who I think is just one of the worst, just one of the worst writers out there. Um, I think Damon with the leftovers really had something to prove, and I'm like, I kind of appreciate the extra effort. I'm like, wow, Damon, like you did have one in you. You had one in you. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's the lost guy, right? He's the lost guy. He did Prometheus. Like he's like JJ's writer guy. Yeah. And people got so mad at him over Lost. Right. He then yeah. He I think to- this one he was like, I got so owned on Lost. I want to like create the perfect story and i'll show everyone like i can do one really good one uh he's now doing the the watchman series over at hbo oh great of course so here's an idea right what if when you start writing a story you have an idea for the end i think the the leftovers does i think it does lost did not see that can't work though within the framework of like pitching a tv show of network tv and also by the way pitching a tv show you don't want to say the ending because like you're pitching to all these like realtors. You like go to a room and it's a bunch of like like real estate people sitting in the room and you're trying to excite them with a little story. <laughs> like yeah. it's like it's going to like a Remax and like if the people at the Remax like like the story enough, they'll keep calling you back like once a week to like hear a little bit more of the story. But I have friends I have friends who like you know, uh, like they were in development, like on a movie they were pitching. But what that ultimately amounted to was like they were paid to tell a group of like four people a story. And then those people were like, uh, change the story a little bit. Then they came back in and told them the new version. And they were like, that's enough. <laughs> like, that's it. Like You just like get paid to tell some uh, middle managers a story so, occasionally. So how did we get brainwashed into thinking that all these soap operas without endings were like the peak of art that humans could produce? Like, how did we get the idea of prestige TV, which with all these sprawling stories that have no definitive end, that just keep going and going? and do all the shit that days of our our lives does just with better cameras well in the beginning with like mad men and stuff like that and like breaking bad sopranos yeah sopranos yeah that's probably like a patient zero or whatever um i could maybe even make the argument that sopranos is the only real prestige tv i love mad men and i actually do like breaking bad a lot too but i'm like i don't think it's ever gotten as good as that one that they're all still trying to ape but anyway i mean i buy that actually i've never seen sopranos it's so so good it's so good it's actually really funny i would say like you know you'll find it very funny it's so highly recommended that i have to sit there and watch i'm sure i'll like it or whatever but the, the i remember reading people that were writing pieces about this while it was happening and there's some stuff going 
on with like the waning just market for movies and stuff like that, sure. especially small budget movies. Like mm-hmm. now you can you can get a comic book movie made, but you can't yeah. get like being John Malkovich made anymore. Right? There's no mid budget. Like small budget exists, mid budget mid- does not yeah, exist. That's yeah. exactly that's what I meant. Um, right. So, but the, there's also, I mean, when it was new, the thinking behind it was. Well, you can tell a story in an hour and a half or two hours, right. but when you have this this um, you can tell a more complex you story. Have this structure of it being in chapters and right. going on and on. Well, then you could do all this interesting stuff that you would be able to do in chapters is the word here right. literature that yeah. you can't do in like a movie, which is essentially like a short story or something like that. That was the thinking, and I think we all got our hopes up over it, and it seemed like a very romantic idea at the time. But yeah. then, you know, really. everyone turned into like a Stan Marsh about it, you know, because like (laughs) when Breaking Bad was going on, I mean, there's just all these guys around that time that were like their entire personality was like, um, a little bit about me. I like Breaking Bad. <laughs> my hobby is that I like this TV show. You know? It was like so all consuming for people. Right. And really, Breaking Bad was fun to watch, but it was a comic book. I, I will get it. Okay. I can get on Breaking Bad because I like Breaking Bad a lot. Uh, uh, but I agree with you. Breaking Bad, Sopranos is like, I think actually like art ascendant or something like that. Like yeah. it's like the, the form. And in fact, actually, I think Sopranos is interesting because it was not. Prestige TV had become a format by the time that Breaking Bad was being made. Sopranos was just trying to do TV, but do it more elevated. Like they were trying to do stories that ended in an episode and like, you know, could have little uh, things. They were ostensibly like trying to write like how what how network television is structured. But then like, you know, bringing it to HBO. I look at Breaking Bad and I'm like, I do like Breaking Bad a lot. But it's a soap opera. I don't think that there are like that many bigger ideas in Breaking Bad. I think it's just very exciting and has yeah. a lot of cool like to be continued. And like that's why the first season of True Detective was so good because it the name True Detective right. implies that it's pulp. Yeah, <laughs> it's I agree. Yeah. Not- heady art it's like yeah. kind of lowbrow yeah and just... television i i won't say this to answer your question leslie about why is it that people started like elevating this this form like for from stories that were just exactly the same as they were in uh, soap operas i think it's literally because of digital cameras I think that the like digital <laughs> cameras came out and it made it so that it was possible like financially for them to film stuff that looks like movies uh, without like using film. Right. And so I think that we are trained from movies that like this is the more serious look. Like when it's lit with like right, the right. like nice halo and like it's on this type of camera with the focus being pulled and everything like that, that's serious and smart and big. You know yeah. what I mean? I actually think that like if you did Breaking Bad just on with soap opera cameras, no one ever that did exactly verbatim the exact same story. <laughs> Everyone would have been like, "Oh, like what a like exciting tale or whatever." But yeah. they just shot it with nice cameras. Cameras got nice. Is what happened. That's, you should make that. You should make that. You should make a uh, bad Breaking Bad. Bad Breaking, <laughs> breaking, breaking mediocre. Or whatever yeah, just you like call it. with like the sort of '90s BBC look of like everything's too high frame rate. Like, I think that there's also an ideological aspect to it though, because this is right around the same time for absolutely no reason like something as dumb as stand-up which i do became considered art by everyone right well, and, everyone became npr philosopher kings yeah <laughs> and it, to me like i remember just when all this was happening thinking like my generation is a bunch of fucking toddlers we're, a bunch yeah. of <laughs> we're just instead of like doing things that are smart we're just continuing right. to do the dumb shit that we like to smoke weed and do yeah and 
just going. Which is all no, good, but we don't need good. to elevate it. Yeah, it's like I like to smoke weed and watch stupid shit, but I'm not. Le- I don't. I think it's like you don't have to be like actually. That's like the greatest art of all time. <laughs> <laughs> so if you love to watch or read comic books, totally get it. I it, like all sorts of dumb shit. Yeah, I don't. I like playing Magic the Gathering. Yeah, I'm not writing like, a thing. Yeah. How that's art? <laughs> it's prestige gaming because <laughs> the pictures I mean, are, they tell a story and the the italic text about the unicorn yeah. flying over the feast. You know. It's, I do think that there's another example or another element basically from what you're saying is that it's like, uh, you know, the cameras got better, but also people like didn't want to give up childish things. And so in, so our generation, instead of giving up childish things, were like, they're not childish. Yeah, we're, uh, <laughs> in fact, like, actually, the thing, yeah, yeah. actually, they were never childish. Like Superman has always been for adults like me or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, actually, serious film is for babies. You're the baby. I'm the adult. I'm your dad. <laughs> How do yeah. you do that? <laughs> prestige, I don't know. I think prestige is a format now. I do think like prestige is just like a, a certain style of television show. And I do find it like kind of tiresome, actually. I'm like, I would I'd much rather watch, you know, 90s episode. Like, I'd rather watch like Xena yes, than watch a show that is Jack, like. I love you. Then watch Handmaid's Tale. You. Like, frankly, like Handmaid's Tale, I'm like, I watch Handmaid's Tale and I'm like, I think. That this show has a lot of really nice like style stuff going on, but when I actually like pull apart the plot of this, I'm like, I don't think they know where they're going with it, and I think it's just like a soap opera. They're just like setting up fun to be continued, and then coming in the next week and figuring it out. And Xena is a much better feminist hero than I also like if, <laughs> to make the argument for Xena is I'm like I think that there was more challenge and like maybe artistry in telling stories that had a beginning, middle, and end, which like current you know. Drama, you know, drama TV writers don't have to do like they just have to like. I, I watched Handmaid's Tale. I've said this. I said I've said this before on the podcast, Leslie. I'm very sorry. I watch Handmaid's Tale, and they have all these like, like shots they'll do like these sort of like decanted shots of like people just like sitting and like like thinking contemplative and it's the music like and i'm like this is dragon ball <laughs> like these <laughs> shots of them like i'm like they're just filling time like this is dragon ball z is what i'm watching here no you're right dragon ball z is prestige television it is it should be prestige <laughs> i mean dragon ball z did what prestige TV did better and before like a long interminable story that never ends yeah. and like feels a little overwrought and too serious for what it is oh, yeah yeah dude Mad Men should still be happening right now <laughs> Mad Men GT and like yeah he's got like, different uh, hair now for some reason Don Draper's been aged down to a child and he still <laughs> has to sell products <laughs> yeah so two of the background characters like fused with each other <laughs> British guy yeah, and, uh, Peggy and Pete have now like a fusion <laughs> dance <laughs> yeah, that would be better actually I guess that would be better I think Mad Men is a good show too and I do think that that show like you know Matthew Weiner I think is a uh, kind of annoying a lot of these show owners just get so fucking annoying because like yeah. every they do all these like panels and things where everyone tells them how brilliant a genius they are because like they run. They have a fucking television show, you know. Because they I make mean? Dallas. So like, they make Dallas. They make Dallas. Like I'm like I do think Matthew Weiner is a like I like uh, Mad Men, but then I'm also like I've seen this guy like talk and stuff, and I'm like, Ugh, you're like obnoxious. You like Mad Men too much. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Like I I like Mad Men. People who create things like shouldn't be too into the thing that they made, or or maybe ever believe that it's good. <laughs> well, yeah, creative good- should hate 
what they do and Everything hate themselves. Yeah. And speaking of Jake, how's stand up going? <laughs> Uh, well, according to you, I'm very creative. So <laughs> You're meeting our metrics. Yeah, <laughs> well, I absolutely agree. That's the only thing that makes me, you know, what I do work at all is that I'm fucking terrified that it's not going to work and it's right. fall apart. And what I do sucks. Yeah. Um, whereas I'm, I live in New York and I'm sur- surrounded by, you know, very bourgeois, rich children sure. who are like, what I'm doing is fighting the power and it's important. <laughs> and it's I'm an activist through comedy. All those people right. suck because. They don't properly edit and hate what they do and really have any <laughs> and have a pathetic aim to create it, even though it's a complete fucking waste of time. Right. That's what an artist is. This is the problem with TV comedy, too, is that like you get in the position where you are like, you know, show running a show or you're the host of a show or something like that. And it becomes all about positivity. Like no one ever wants to show you anything bad. Everyone tells you what a good job you did every single night and everything like that. And I'm like. You aren't supposed to like your comedy. You shouldn't believe that all what all these producers are telling you about like what a good job you're doing. You know, yeah, actually, and to to bring it back to all this like left podcast drama and stuff, this is good. This means that we're Fleetwood Mac and we're, <laughs> we're making that's true. We're at least like I, I it is better. Uh, and we should we'll, we won't talk about left podcast drama, but it's at least better to have acrimony. People care about shit <laughs> it over <means> here. That, <laughs> it does. Though. It means that you care about what you're making. You have to care about something to feel yeah. bad about it and to fight about to it. To get all pissed off. Yeah. Like that means everyone's caring. Wow. <laughs> I learned something today. <laughs> I've been caring a lot lately, to be honest. Yeah, I've been caring a lot too. <laughs> um, but oh, to boy. answer your question, this tour has actually been going really well. But you know, it's because I'm like falling apart as a human. That's the way it, <laughs> it, it, it works. Isn't that the whole stand-up comedy thing? Isn't it like it's uh, a paradox? It's I mean, like a monkey's paw of like the more funny you are, like the more you wither away as a person. Yeah, and then the better the shows get, the better you feel about yourself, and then you start to Uh-oh. suck again, and it's you know it spirals and spirals. <laughs> Forever. It's a beautiful thing. Wonderful. What a life you've chose. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Did, did, were you opening for Patton or something? I, at the end of this month, I am. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That's yeah. really cool. I'm excited. I, I I assume he likes me from Twitter. I know we've talked a few times, but uh, he's extremely online and he hit me up out of the blue and I have, I've met him, but I haven't talked yeah. to him in years. And so uh, I can only assume this is just some cool shit he's doing for me. Yeah, I think he's probably just likes you like online or your your comedy. He, you know, he's booked a tour, and I noticed that he booked like different openers for a bunch of it. So I mm. think he's like one of those old guard guys that just goes, "All right, I'll, I'll throw some you know, I'll get a out bunch to, of people in." Sure, yeah. yeah. But that's cool. That's what that's cool. Should, that's that what I agree with do, that. You know? He should be doing that. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Fuck, there was something about Patton. I can't remember it now. Oh well. Sorry, Leslie. Yeah, I do have something. You know? Ratatouille. Yeah. Let's dissect it. <laughs> Jake, is it Marxist? So, Jake, you've been on the road for a while. I heard that you don't have a switch, so you've been without your video games. Oof! How you? So feeling? I've been what? You've been without, without your, your video oh, games. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about the fact that you could take a switch with you on tour. <laughs> I would have to get one. Uh, no, yeah. I uh, I bought a PS4. A while back, before I left New York, and I uh, I bought the cowboy game that everyone was raving about. Yeah, Red Dead, sure. I spent seventy five dollars on it. I proceeded to play it maybe two times, and then get really addicted to Fortnite. Ah, oh, okay. And just sort of get into weird spirals of chain smoking and playing Fortnite. Wow, you play Fortnite? You're a Fortnite player? <laughs> I uh, didn't know you weren't supposed to. No, it's it's not that no, you're not no, supposed no, to. You're I'm not just, supposed to. Surprised. You gotta get on Apex, Jake. I I gotta do that for you <laughs> as a friend. My wife is a big time Apex player on PS4. I'll hook you up with her. 
your gamer tag. Apex is Apex this. is very good, and it's it's Fortnite esque. Okay. It's the new, it's the new thing that's going on right now. I'm not really a, uh, even like a um, a battle royale type or a first person shooter type, but it's it is it it's dumb and it's so low stakes that I think I got really yeah. hooked on it because um, the cowboy game seems great, but it was just like so much of your mind has to be engaged <laughs> in it. And uh, I, there is something nice about Fortnite. I can I can agree with that. That it's like a it's one of these games you barely have to like be awake for. Kind yeah. of like I mean I guess if you want to be really good and win, but like you know you can kind of just be like idly playing it. I also live above a glue factory, and I think that had a lot to do with why I was just zoning out. On <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might that might affect it. I don't know. If, I haven't gotten Red Dead too. I never I never bought the game, yeah. and I think I'm like maybe getting a little tired of open world games like i think that they're really impressive and i think that they're really cool but i don't know how much more how much more each one brings to the table i'm like i know getting into this there's going to be a lot of just sort of like empty space <laughs> i like the, the trick isn't working as well on me i guess it just doesn't feel like real or big yeah i don't know i i don't really want to make a decision on red dead either way because i was like in a bad mood when i was <laughs> playing it and so that's probably just me bringing it to it but then it does beg the question like what is a video game for right you know? and like yeah i feel like I, the ones i've been fixating on are like i really want to play the new soul caliber that looks pretty cool I do want to play the new Kingdom Hearts. That looks... I, I'm an idiot. Look, I like those games. I love Kingdom Hearts games, too. Yeah. I think this is the worst of the mainline Kingdom oh, Hearts really? games. Not the not including all the side <laughs> DS stuff. I love the Kingdom Hearts games also. I think... I love how they did the Animatrix thing with it, where, like, <laughs> you can't possibly understand the story I mean, unless if you, you played an obscure if you, game. If you play this game. third one, I played the other two Kingdom Hearts games this year. Yeah. Like, I, I played them. I like replayed them this year. Um, and I don't understand the story of this game. <laughs> I cannot understand a word of this. Impossible to follow. Yeah, I cannot follow. Jack, uh, we got, a word we got twenty minutes to fill. So why don't you go into extreme detail about all your problems with Kingdom Hearts three? <laughs> okay, <laughs> fine. Well, look, I think that you know, I think that at the core, my biggest problem with the new Kingdom Hearts is it feels the most like Disney was aware that this game was being made uh, of all yeah. the Kingdom Hearts games. You know what I mean? Like it actually feels <laughs> a little like too like polished and like it's all disney characters first of all there's no final fantasy characters in the entire game oh fuck, only that's the only reason i like only the moogles are are the only final fantasy characters and it is like kind of like these sequences are cool and you know i like the fighting style of of kingdom hearts or whatever but ultimately there's no big areas to explore it kind of feels like disneyland like you're uh, kind of in these areas that are like very tightly scripted to be like the movies okay i have an idea you know how you'll see people wearing like um, those copyright infringement airbrushed Looney Tunes, sure, yeah, Disney yeah. shirts or whatever, yeah, and it's like some fucked up like cholo, yeah, goofy or like or whatever. Black Bart things right. like that, right. yeah. Someone, an independent game developer, needs to make that version of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> you, Bootleg Kingdom Hearts? You That's fight really funny. alongside, like, Tupac Donald. <laughs> and, like, goofy movie. Yeah. Meme. Pissing Calvin. Goofy. Pissing yeah. Calvin is there. <laughs> yeah, all the worlds are, like, shit like that. Like, Black Bart World and Pissing Calvin. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Knock off Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. That's really great. Dude, that I like that a lot. Ass. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this one, it's like, Okay, here. It, tell me if you'd like this. Um, it includes the inside entire song "Let It Go." 
<laughs> There's what? a cutscene that just is the entire sequence of her singing "Let It Go" from Frozen, <laughs> just in the Kingdom Hearts engine. It's a little too okay. That sucks. It's a little too Disney. Look, I'm not trying to. I didn't beat it, and I love the Kingdom Hearts games. I just it didn't feel didn't feel quite right to me. No, I only ever liked it because of the like the weird contrast between like right. Mickey Mouse and then like Sephiroth. Which <laughs> yeah. shit. I would always get really frustrated because I'd be like, wow, we just fought into crazy square Enix dragon. And then like the next level is like, I'm Winnie the Pooh and my butt's stuck in a tree. Or <laughs> oh, something. bother. I've, I've, st- I've been stuck in the hole. <laughs> Sora, I'm in the hole. Like, Who, what age of person is this game for? It's I mean, I still do have that problem with this game. For everyone and no one. With the new Kingdom Hearts, I am like, this does feel like it's like a baby game, like just sort of like it feels like Lego Disney or something yeah, like you're just doing yeah. a sampler through Disney levels. But it's also fucking hard. It like still <laughs> is like a too complex like JRPG. So I'm like, are little kids, maybe little kids just get all this shit better than I do at this point. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I'll tell you this. I got another Kingdom Hearts story is I played um, I played through Kingdom Hearts 2 mm-hmm. about a year ago okay. uh, just to go run through it again. It's great. It really is. And I uh, I did it via like a uh, an emulator okay. on my computer. And um, for some reason, the like the copy of it that I had downloaded was like mostly in English, but then it was mashed up at some points with, I guess, the data from a Japanese version. Huh. So every once in a while, every once in a while, mostly it was Sora, let's go. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'd just turn around and Goofy was just Japanese. <laughs> just be like, Goofy. <laughs> and it was so funny. Man. It soured me on the normal game. I will say this. I will say this. If you like in Kingdom Hearts 2, the kind of sequences where like Mickey Mouse is being like, oh, like Xemnas. Like, I, that's my favorite thing is when Mickey is talking about Xemnas or like Xenohort or whatever. Xehanort. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that in this one. There's a lot of Mickey talking about Zehanort uh, in in the new uh, Kingdom Hearts. All right, but his voice is a little fucked up. He like is a little subdued sounding <laughs> like uh, in the new one. They couldn't get the guy. I guess they didn't get the right Mickey. They didn't get. I think maybe nah, who knows? Who knows what's going on with Mickey? <laughs> I don't right, know. Well, All right, well, well, jury's out. I'll probably play it. I mean, you know. What else is there to do? You might as well. You have a PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> God. Um, see any movies? I saw Alita pretty recently. Alita Battle Angel. Did you see that? No. Um, <laughs> I good. she looked scary with the uncanny valley. Pit. I'll tell you yes. what. She's a robot in the movie. So like, and everyone else, she's a robot. No one else is a robot. She's not obsessed with plastic surgery. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, you know, the eyes were weird in the trailer. But she's not a human. You know what I mean? It did. Yeah. The eyes did not bother me that much. This is a movie where the uncanny valley thing almost like works within the plot because she is supposed to be like a, a robot, you know, and uh, I don't know. I've heard from multiple people that they were disappointed that it was a good movie. I, I, you know, they went in wanting to hate like it. Like just to be a corny, <laughs> shitty movie. Yeah. yeah. I think that it gets the, uh, like there's a whole genre of movies that are like live action movies like anime. Like there's your Speed Racer. Sure. There's your Pacific Rim. Uh-huh. You know, you got... Uh, Sucker thread. Punch, I'd put Sucker Punch. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Phantom Thread, you know, that could be like a, that could be one of those a thoughtful OVA, you yeah. know what I mean? One of those really specific mangas where you're like, why are you drawing this? There's no supernatural <laughs> shit in it. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, um, yeah that, the, that genre film, I'm, I'm like, may, I, I do feel like maybe it's the most anime of all of them, and like it maybe gets that most anime crown, okay. uh, in my opinion. Hey, Jack, you board. know what um, is anime? What's that? Anime. 
Oh god! She, uh, like uh, I, uh, this is I know, but I'm saying of the genre, it's like they, it reaches the heights of being closest to what is anime. Like anime. So I, I really do feel like this is kind of a thing that's going to happen because as we predict on the show, like the new thing at once they get done with superheroes, they're just going to start adapting anime. And I just want to sure. tell Hollywood not to do it because you cannot turn anime into live action. And not well, they did have the Dragon Ball live action. Was that good? That looked insane. No, it was really bad. <laughs> Why do things need to be other things? Yeah, yeah it is true. It is true. Why do we need the the like other version? And you know why? It's just because like we live in a world now where the only things that can get greenlit or made is like existing IP. Like oh, that's the real. Yeah. That's a, it's like like investment. You know, film filmmaking is just investment. And so like all the people that like make investment in movies are like, well, we need to do a risk assessment. As it turns out, like the risk assessment comes out that the one that people already know is the least risky move yeah for me to tie it back to what we were talking about earlier with like the infantilization of our generation it's hard to really for me i I don't know depending on how you look at this and through what ideological lens there might be an answer but i've been wondering is this because of us are we the market that drives this shit to be the only sellable thing or is it like some weird economic thing where, yeah, there's no uh, budget for like, you know, I think it's somewhere between both. And I actually think that it is like I and also, you know, uh, I think a big part of it has to do with the like growing importance of like overseas sales for movies. Like when when you're talking about the infantilization thing and how we're only making like big budget movies that have basically baby storylines. You know what I mean? Yeah. A, and a, a reason for why that could be is because these movies also have to be able to be translated into Chinese uh, and every other language and be able to be understood by children in that right. language. <laughs> so that's why every movie now that you see, it's like literally the the plot of like the plot is like we need to stop the square from getting into the circle they're like there's the square it's 10 seconds until the square hits the circle like and then it's yeah. because it has to be like that basic like they have to run it through babble and john boyega makes a bunch of fucking uh faces and runs and screams and hollers between points and that's the this film like uh, an Oscar winning, you know, prestige film being like uh, the fucking uh, are you eating something weird YouTube CGI kid? <laughs> yeah, the open like, your mouth, telling lies. Yeah, telling lies. And sorry, now, Papa. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, starring like Gary Oldman or something. Or yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think like, you know, you're talking like Idris Elba is the refrigerator in telling lies. <laughs> All they need to do is shoot it with a red camera and do really nice. <laughs> lighting on it um yeah i mean like you know uh, what comes first like do we demand infant culture or is infant culture the only thing that's ever been fed to us i think it's somewhere between the two i think that our generation did come up at a time when like corporate consolidation was kind of in its like first round or whatever so it would make sense that like we were started being started to feed being fed things that like had less original ideas in it like had less sort of original artistry and so if you're raised under like corporate monoculture maybe that's all you ever like want they trained us from birth to only want the slop that they're giving that they're going to feed us yeah that's true (laughs) It's very sad. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but now we can do podcasts and stuff. <laughs> and talk about how all the slop they're feeding us is actually bad. And then people yeah. get mad at us for saying it. 
<laughs> I know. Don't put this out before Captain Marvel comes oh, out. Jesus I don't need Christ. to get canceled just for for saying in general that movies are bad. I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to um, welcome Adam Johnson to the resistance for his thread. Um, what did he do? He made just made a thread about like how the uh, Air Force like wrote the script for Cap- Captain Marvel basically. Oh, how very cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's all these articles. I found these too. There's articles in like Task and Purpose magazine about like how like Captain Marvel is like the perfect advertisement for the Air Force. I mean, like if you get into it and like this is even just like it's almost like tired to even talk about, but it's yeah. like the fucking movie companies like get a bunch of they don't get money from the Pentagon, but they get to use things like aircraft carriers and like jets. And so they get a bunch of production value, which is the same as money. You know what I mean? And so yeah. what and we- to get that, they need to get approval from the Pentagon on their scripts. So, like, it is collusion between the blockbuster, you know, movies. And, you know, these are recruiting tools yeah. for the army. We covered this on my show once. I mean, that is like an actual real yeah. job that someone has. Yeah. There is a, um, you know, a mutual relationship between these two people um, from the military side. They're very psyched that it makes everything makes them look good and cool. Right. And uh, one of the worst ex- egregious examples of this is a show Ironically, that I used to uh, cover for The Observer mm. when I was doing TV recaps, which was Homeland, and that was <laughs> before, you know, Homeland happened to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I was uh, I was doing some research on it and, you know, was reading about how, like, the CIA fucking loves that show Homeland right. because it's a very pro CIA show. Right. And it, uh, you know, portrays them as these, like, savvy professionals. Right. I know. But also, like, it's a circular thing, though, because they like it. But also, th- now you go, wait, are they not that perfect? Like, <laughs> yeah, they like it because it's like a romanticization right. of what it's they aspirational are. of yeah. what the CIA could be if uh, uh, if we all worked harder. <laughs> yeah, and uh, intelligence, the history of intelligence in this country seems to indicate that a lot of it is a fucking disaster. Yeah, that they don't <laughs> know. What they, it's just a bunch of thugs that are like given power and you know uh, are able to wield that. But it's good for them, you know, for for their brand right. to have a show like Homeland that's right. like, convincing people this idea. Well, that's like what what bothers me about Captain America. It's like I don't actually give a shit. Like people are, you know. They're like raising money on GoFundMe to like t- bring little girls to go see Captain Marvel. But then I'm like, but then they're also saying that Captain Marvel is a recruitment tool yeah. for the Air Force. So are we doing a GoFundMe to try to recruit impoverished young girls into, into the, the Air, Air Force? Force. I'm like, yeah, do, if, if, if those are the two steps, like I can't help but say that they exist together, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What are you gonna do? I don't know. I think we should uh we should create a GoFundMe to recruit young girls to we'll tell them it's to go see Captain Marvel, and then when we show up, we unload the bus and it's at uh, Diane Feinstein's office. <laughs> <laughs> we tell them that's Captain Marvel. <laughs> Yell at her. Sad. Just all start crying. That's really funny. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, GoFundMe. That's another Pod Save America guy. The mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? Dan Pfeiffer. Yeah, made a lot of money off uh, GoFundMe. We've yeah. said that on the like show a- like fifteen times. I know, Leslie. <laughs> Uh, anything that I say about Pod Save America will have been covered many times on this show already. This is a, has yeah. been an sh- episode about nothing, man. We've just had this nothing. We just run on fumes. <laughs> so. 
So, yeah. Jerry, sorry. <laughs> nothing to talk about. No questions anybody has for us about anything. There's nothing to talk about in any way at all. <laughs> That's just an existential void. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, what do you got coming up? What's going on? Uh, I mean, I know you're opening for, for Patton, but what else is coming up? I got those Patton dates uh, at the end of March in Jacksonville and Greenville, uh, South Carolina. Um, Jacksonville, Florida. Um... I run my regular show, Yoko, at El Cortez in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Um, the next one's on the 12th of March and the second Tuesday of every month. We've been getting big guests. So if you live in New York, that's a thing. Um, honestly, I'm going to be touring like a lot this year. How do you like that? I, I think that that would like great on me a little bit. You like traveling all that much? Yeah, I, I kind of love it. And like, <laughs> I mean, it's insane. Uh, it's just I, I, you know, it's both fucking stressful and sure. really fun. But it, I'm only good at comedy when I'm constantly touring. Like, yeah. I'm not even like a spot guy. Like, I have to be like traveling around and fucking reading different rooms and stuff. So, like, it feels really good to me as a comic. And um, I was like in a relationship for a while and it was kind of keeping me from being able to so i'm going through like this midlife crisis thing right now where i'm like washington omaha kansas i'm coming your way (laughs) (laughs) wow but uh catch jake before he before he uh finds another significant other uh, (laughs) yeah but but also also i i've been a comic for a long time and i just sort of realized like oh i gotta draw like everywhere i went on this tour people came out from mm. like the podcast and shit yeah so if that's a fucking thing that is continuing to happen that means um you know i can come to your town so fucking tweet at me and we'll set up a show uh so i should be on the road a lot if you wow. want to come see a live show I and he sh- even likes being on the road we know that now that he, you actually like doing it oh uh, yeah it's great <laughs> I enjoy it for that's some cool. reason yeah. um and i just record an album that'll be out at some point later this year um on you know everything it'll be on spotify and itunes and all that bullshit that's great well, uh, oh, Leslie, good. you think that's enough about nothing? Um, that's enough about nothing. We got 55 minutes. That's, a, that's enough about <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Jake, thanks for being here. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely struggle yeah. sesh. It's always good to talk to you. Thank you, you so uh, much, Jake. You're one of the funniest guys. And, uh, you know, if, uh, if you're in any of the towns that, that Jake is coming to, you should you should go see him because he's a funny guy. I saw you do stand up one time, and I never come see anyone do anything. Oh, yeah, 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 Jack, Jack, wait, wait, you won't even go see your wife do stand up. <laughs> well, she's doing open mics. I'm not gonna sit around through the whole fucking open mic. Ooh, damn. All right. Well. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well. Uh, see you later, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening. Peace.
like what you hear, want to hear more, check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.